You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. Welcome to another episode of Us Unscripted Stories, our podcast here from Multicultural Student Affairs at Northwestern University. Um, my name is Aaron Golding. I use he and pronouns, um, and I'm an assistant director at um, MSA. Um, and really excited to have you join us today. Um, today we have a guest storyteller, Stephen. Um, Stephen, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Stephen. I'm a fourth year studying psychology, and my pronouns are he, him, they. Great. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, so Stephen's going to be sharing a story with us today um, that he worked on in um, during a storytelling workshop with NASA, um, which of which Stephen's a member of. Um, and NASA is the Native American and Indigenous Student Alliance here at Northwestern University. Um, this workshop was a great way to just work on some stories and, and get more comfortable, I think, before um, telling a story here on the podcast. So really grateful that you participated in the workshop, Stephen, um, and grateful that you're here to share your story with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, and thank you all for listening. The story I'm going to tell today took place my freshman year. Um, and before I was a student at Northwestern, I was a student at UC Berkeley in California. Um, I transferred to Northwestern after my freshman year. And in Berkeley, I lived in the co-op system, which is like a system of housing um, that's not really owned by like a landlord. It's supposed to be cooperatively owned by all the students. So we have lower rents and it's generally for um, low income, marginalized students. And the specific house I lived in was called POC house, the person of color house, because some houses had themes um, and some did not. And um, as a cooperative, we all had to do kind of work shifts. So some work shifts would be things like um, just like cleaning the stairs, vacuuming um, the hallways, scrubbing the bathrooms down, which is not always a very enjoyable work shift. Um, and of course, another very important work shift was cooking. And every single um, semester, because we were on a semester system, there would be like a formula go out and be asking who wanted to cook for that semester. And I really like cooking. I've always um, enjoyed cooking since pretty young. Um, and I decided like, oh, like, why not? I love cooking, love cooking for people. Like, might as well give this a go. And um, I think the first time I did cooking work shift was in spring semester. And um, I was really nervous because I think when I cook, it feels like I'm like presenting myself in a way towards people and they're like judging me um, for like what I am, which I don't think exactly is like what cooking is, but it kind of feels that way. Cause I'm like making something um, that generally I like really like to put, put thought into it and um, like my time and energy into it. And I hope people enjoy it. And when people don't enjoy it, I'm kind of sad and people do enjoy it. I'm really happy. Um, so yeah, I was like kind of nervous cooking for a lot of people. Cause um, the house I lived in POC house had like 50, 56 something people. And um, cooking for that many people is like a lot of work. So each cook work shift was three hours long. Um, and basically we'd start, I think at like four o'clock and we we're supposed to be done at seven and then we would serve all the food. And to make me even more nervous for this, the 
Cookshapes are like partnered with another person. I was partnered with this girl that I had this really massive crush on. And I was like, I guess excited, but also very nervous to spend like three hours with her. Um, I was like, what am I gonna do for three hours and not look like an idiot? So going into this, this cooking work shift, I was really, really nervous. Wasn't really sure what to cook because the ways that the like kitchen is kind of stocked isn't like the way that I would stock my kitchen at home. Um, someone else orders like a bunch of food and we kind of just like go into this walk-in fridge and like see all these ingredients and decide like, oh, like what is everyone going to be eating tonight? Um, I honestly don't really remember what exactly we cooked, but I do remember one dish. Um, and I'll probably remember this one dish for the rest of my life. Um, I don't really exactly remember like how I made it or what I made it with, but I do remember that there were eggplants in it. Um, and I have a very like love-hate relationship with eggplants um, back home. With my mom, she makes really delicious eggplants. She makes them with like these like rice noodles and garlic and meat, and it's really delicious. Um, they come out like really savory and like tender. Um, and I like have tried to make it before, and I always mess it up somehow. They always come out like very tough and chewy. Um, but for some reason, like that night um, during cook shift, I was like, "Oh, I'll make eggplants." Um, and they started off okay every other all the other dishes were going off okay and the eggplants just like started getting really weird i was like tasting it and then it got closer and closer to seven and then i was like these eggplants are, don't taste very good and with like i guess all my nerves and like energy um i was just like you know i'm like not gonna be like this, this eggplant's like not gonna be associated with me at all um so i like i turned to the person i'm cooking with and I tell them like, oh, like I have to like go to judo practice because um, <laughs> judo practice also started at seven. And I was like, this is how I'm gonna like, no one's gonna know I ever made this in my mind. Um, so I like tell them, okay, I'm gonna go to judo practice. You can like present all the food. Thank you so much. Bye bye. And I kind of just, like scramble on it. Like I run away. I thinking back, I, I totally abandoned them, um, and I feel really bad for this. Um, and I basically just like grab my judo stuff. I run away. I run down to the gym. Um, and like I go to judo practice and I like, push, push all of cook shift out of my mind. Um, and after judo practice, I think it's like an hour and a half, maybe two hours long. I like, take out my phone and I see that um, Lee, the person I was cooking with, like texted me. And she was like, wow, everyone like really loved these eggplants. And I was just so shocked because in my mind, they were like the worst thing I had ever cooked. And I was like embarrassed to serve them to people. Um, but apparently there had been this battle between like the people who are ordering food and the rest of the house on like whether we should have eggplants. And this like our eggplant dish was like the deciding factor that like, oh, people really love eggplants. So we should have eggplants. Um, and it was just like a really weird moment because I was like, guilty and like ashamed that I'd abandoned my cooking partner and like made them present this but then everyone really loved it and just thinking back on this I think it's really funny and it really made me kind of like enjoy cooking for everybody a lot more because it kind of felt like regardless of what I cooked like people would enjoy it because I feel like um if they enjoyed that then they would enjoy anything else and um yeah, just like going on from now, I really enjoy cooking for people. And I think like my experiences for the rest of the semester as well, just have made me always like enjoy the community with cooking with others, as well as like eating with others. And um, yeah, just like fond memories. Thanks for sharing that story. I, I was definitely some moments I was cracking up there. Um, 
you talked about like com- you like cooking because of like community and stuff. So can you talk a, just a little bit more about what you mean by that? Like how does food help support building community? I think growing up, my parents always had a very strong emphasis on eating together. Um, so a lot of times when I was a kid, I would have swim practice and would end really, really late around like nine o'clock sometimes. But my parents would always like wait and we would eat together. And I think that in a way was kind of, I think kind of nice, even though I didn't really get along very well with my parents, it was nice to always kind of join together at the end of the day and like have a meal together. Um, And I think in a community like a cooperative, a housing cooperative where you don't really know everybody, um, having a communal meal is really very, very personal, Um, especially because the way I present my cooking and how I feel about my cooking is that it's like a judgment upon myself. Um, feeling that people enjoy my cooking and me also enjoying other people's cooking, it makes me feel a lot closer to them. Um, and it does feel, it makes me feel very loved to like mm-hmm. eat other people's home cooking, knowing that it comes from like their background, their family history and like what they like, if I also like, it's like a, it's a shared bond. Um, I think it's really hard to explain, but I think there's something yeah. very, very deeply personal about cooking and eating with others. Yeah. Did you try the, um, the dish before you left or were you just convinced that it wasn't going to be good? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So I actually had tried it. Um, I thought it tasted really just like strange and not appetizing. Um, maybe, maybe Lee did something to it and, and <laughs> magicked it up after I left. Um, but definitely how I left it was not something that I was very proud of. What was it? Um, just, it doesn't, com- didn't compare to the way your mom made it. Yeah. I, I think I was trying to go for, um, like what it was in my memory, but it was very much not that. <laughs> <laughs> did you cook after that then? Yeah. So cook shift. Um, I think for me, it was every single Wednesday for the rest of the semester. So that's um, 14, 15 weeks for for the Northwestern students. Um, And yeah, I I cooked every single Wednesday. Um, Someone else actually ended up joining us. And we all became like really, really good friends because it's bonding over cooking. Um, It was a lot of fun. I think it uh, actually was probably like one of the highlights of my time in Berkeley, just cooking with everybody and eating with everybody. Um, as well as like eating other people's food because we were just one day out of the week. Um, for the other six days, there'd be other cook shift teams and we would eat their food. Mm. And I'm, I'm assuming you're still cooking for people. Well, when it's not COVID, I suppose, but. Yes, yeah. Uh, not so much recently, but um, at least in the dorms, when I came to Northwestern, we would have things like munchies. I would love making food for people in the dorm as well important role to have i think in a community <laughs> the person that loves cooking yes. and loves sharing yes. that gift with other people um so steven um you know the the this podcast is really designed we hope to kind of build community um through storytelling right that we can learn about each other i think in the same way that you know you share your food we're hoping to share stories and that um we learn something about um each other as as we navigate life here at Northwestern. Um, uh, and I wanted to ask you, you know, why do you think it's important for folks from marginalized communities to be sharing um, our stories? 
Hmm. I think that's a, I think there's a lot of really good answers to this question. Um, I know in the workshop, the workshop that we had with NASA, mm -hmm. um, this kind of came up that a lot of marginalized communities, especially are very seen, very one seen as very one dimensional. They're seen as like, I don't know, there's not very much depth to the community. Um, and sharing these stories, I think, brings more depth and brings more humanity, I suppose, to um, really any community. And I mean, everybody, I think, has a lot of depth to them. And it really does take stories to, um, I guess, share that depth and help others realize that that depth is there because it's not always readily apparent given media representations and like pop culture representations. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, last question. Do you think we can share that recipe with listeners? <laughs> I would have to ask my mom yeah. and I don't think that she has an exact recipe, but I can ask her how she makes it. I can, I can write it down and I'd love to share it with anybody who wants to try an eggplant recipe. Yeah. I think like you, we're, we're saying in the beginning of your story, like my attempts at eggplant are never what I think. Like I've had really good eggplant and every time I make it, I'm like, this isn't, this is just not yes. great. Yes. Um, so I, I'd love to try out that recipe personally or have yours sometime. <laughs> I don't know if you want mine. Um, maybe, maybe my mom's visiting. She can make some. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like everyone liked it. Um, yeah, no. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing the story um, and, and letting us learn a little bit more about your passion for cooking and, and how you build community through food. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Us, Unscripted Stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Support for this podcast is provided by Joe Scaletti, Emma Salam, Saeed Rezko, Sydney Hastings, and Jeanette Rojas, with support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from us.